The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show, you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and I'm sure all of you out there are living all over the world because, after all, you can listen to the show any place in the world, anytime, any place. Uh, of course, that's uh, 1 o'clock Pacific, and uh, wherever you are, just do the math on the time zone. Uh, boy, it was a great week of football. Always a good week of football. I have to admit the fact that, listen, National Football League, again, you get your money's worth, depending upon who your team is. Sometimes people feel a little bit different than others. Some people wake up on Monday not feeling some good, so good. Some people wake up on Tuesday not feeling so good. Now some people waking up on Fridays and not feeling so good. But then there are other people that are feeling very good because their team, they won. That's, that's the thing about the National Football League. There are no ties. There will be no ties in the National Football League. Now, you may not. Those of you out there that are betters and gamblers, you know, you, you've given a few points here and there. Yeah, you might be a little disappointed. But the bottom line is you either wake up victoriously or very sad because your team lost. So, hey, it's a great day in the Valley for me. And, of course, last night, uh, I think it was uh, the Cowboys, the Cowgirls, the cow. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys played some football last night. Or did they? How about them Cowboys? Well, we're not going to quite get into that yet, but what I am going to do, I'm going to welcome uh, to the show a friend. You know, it's always good. You know, the fraternity of the National Football League is, is such a great fraternity. And regardless of what you do, what position you play, what team you play for, when it's all said and done, we all friends. And, man, it's, particularly if you know if you played on one of the teams, uh, to, you know, not necessarily the same time, but when you shared that uniform, you know it could be special. And I uh, got a uh, big fellow on with me now. Of course, I've been waiting because it's been a long time since I've seen uh, Big John. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about John St. Clair, big offensive tackle, John. John, how you doing, man? Doing well. How you doing? Man, I'm doing wonderful, man. I appreciate the time you taking out your busy schedule to, to talk a little football, man. And, you know, I, I particularly wanted to talk to John for the simple reason. I don't know why. He's a big fella. John, is it, is it true our most offensive tackle, offensive lineman, period, the personality, is is it one of those where they kind of laid back? Because, you know, the offensive linemen, you guys don't get in front of the cameras or behind the microphones very much. So, therefore, everybody has to just, you know, whatever, you know, personality traits they want to reveal about you, they just doing it on their own because you guys seem to be a little shy, a little, you know, you know, you, you, you stay or you shy away from the microphones. Is that true about offensive linemen? Uh, true, a little bit. But you gotta realize, um, when you're an offensive lineman, you gotta think a lot more 
then when you're a defensive lineman, you know, you when a, when a guy is jawing <laughs> off on you on the defense, you, you can't do that. You're thinking about the snap count. You're thinking about the play. You're thinking about your responsibility. So it's easy for a defensive guy to jaw at you, but you got like five different things going through your mind, which you, your responsibilities are for one particular play. That's why you see a lot of guys, they may look laid back, but same time, there's a lot going on in their mind. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, there is a lot going on in offensive linemen because you do have to pay attention. You know, most of the time with the defensive linemen, you're right. They, they know what the defense is. They know the scheme, what they're about to run. They're just concentrating on watching that ball to make sure that they're not offsides. But, you know, you guys got things going on at the offensive line, you know. And let me ask you this. Now that I got an offensive lineman on the feet, I mean, on the microphone, how much of what we see going on at the line of scrimmage in terms of, I'm going to call it animation by a quarterback, how much of it is a live signal and how much of it is just a distraction and deterrent to make the defense think, you know, he's changing the play? A lot of, a lot of times it's really audible, you know, when you think about it. Um, a lot of times you don't have with the crowd noise, especially you playing away. You have crowd noise, you don't have time to make fake checks, especially when you're away. Um, but there are some times where the quarterback has decoys. I'm sure Peyton Manning does it a lot. You know, a guy with his uh, maturity and what he's done in the NFL, he's able to do that. He can have some real checks and fake checks. But for the majority of time, you have a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks, when they make a check, it's, it's for the better. They might see an adjustment that they think you know, Mike might be in a different place than they really originally uh, anticipated, and they might have to make a check to go uh, to another play because if he, if he doesn't make the check, then, you know, the whole play is going to get disrupted, you know. You saw some of that yesterday going on. Some uh, quarterbacks were able to make the check, some weren't. Yeah, you know what's interesting, John? Now, now think about some of these stadiums that they talk about, you know, that are so loud. I mean, can you really hear, you know, a quarterback making his checks? I mean, are you guys really able to hear, you know, the quarterback that he, as he does the best to project his voice so that, you know, the audible is such that you, that you can hear it. Can you hear or are there times where you guys really don't hear the play? There's certain positions that can hear better than others. Obviously, if you're playing center, you can hear it better. Center and guard can hear it better than the tackles. When you get out there with the tackles and tight ends and course wide receivers, you really can't hear that well, you know. Sometimes you'd be in your stance. I've done it in my, during my career. You actually literally turn around looking right at him and see what he's saying and Sometimes a guard has to relay what the quarterback is saying. But it happens so fast. The speed of the game is so fast, you have to get it. If you don't get it, it's a mistake. But the receivers, they can't hear anything. They're re- re- reacting off the line of scrimmage. You know, and that's where the hand signals come apart. You see guys like Peyton Manning walk down the line and make all these hand signals. They're looking at the quarterback because they can't hear. You know, they're, they're, they're reacting the whole time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the speed of the game. Of course, we got the, the real referees back, if you will. You know, when people talk about the speed of the game, John, give, give an example, if you will, in your own words, about how fast the game is in terms of a referee who may be a high school referee or a Division three referee and watching a football game at a certain speed. What's the difference when he gets to the NFL in terms of how fast the players and the game is moving? Explain to the people what they mean by the speed of the game. Well, the speed of the game, you know, you, when you're in the NFL, it's the highest level you can play. you got guys, uh, everybody in the NFL is considered all-star players from college. So when you, you think about the coaches, they're the all-star players from, from college, uh, the college uh, arena. So when you, you get to that level, you have players that know just as much as the referee. It's your job, you know, to know your plays and know the calls. So if you when, when if you've got a guy from high school, Division three like the rest were last week, you know, they're not even acclimated to the game yet. And you have, here you up at the pro level, professional level, and you got guys that know the game inside out. Coaches that know the game inside out. Before a play even happens, they know what call should be made. So 
that's a whole another controversy you're going to have, and that's that's why I'm so glad that the new refs are back. And you can see, based on the game yesterday, they're still a little rusty. You have to be in there doing it. It's, it's the speed of the game. What I mean by we talk about speed of the game, I mean it's all about reaction. Once you get to the game, that's what you practice all week for. Everything you have to react. The guys are so fast, you know, the whistles are blowing so fast, and you're looking at the play clock. You have to go off the play clock and everything. Just a way faster league than any other league that's out there right now, of course, being the highest level. Um, that's why those refs, you know, I feel kind of sorry for them because being out there in that situation, they weren't, they're not, they weren't ready for that. Yeah, you and you're right about that, John. And 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 those folks out there listening, you know, the speed of the game is such that there's no time to think about it. Now there are times where referees will come together and have their little conferences, but the majority of times you got to throw a flag and you got to make a decision right away. You cannot think about it because you got to move on and look someplace else. You know, when you look at something, you see something. If you see holding, you got to throw that flag. If you if you see there was a legal procedure, you got to throw that flag. You know, you can't wait. And you you heard me say, you know, holding. And, you know, man, that's something as an offensive lineman. I can I can only imagine what it's like. You know, I, I look back up on my career. I, when I was in high school, I played tight end and, and I did have to block sometimes, uh, you know, in a tight end position. But, you know, for you as an offensive lineman and John, I'm going to imagine, man, you probably was an offensive lineman your, your entire career. Well, maybe not, you know, because you got them sweet feet. So you might have played another position. <laughs> But but the holding man is for uh, for an offensive lineman is that the worst thing can happen to you as as a professional? Do you are you upset with yourself the most when is it a, is it a holding penalty or is it which I think is a mental mistake too? I think all penalties are mental mistakes. But is a holding penalty the worst of all that you get you can get called for in your mind? Yeah, getting called for absolutely. You think about if you're in the red zone, for instance, you're on the twenty yard line going in about to score, and you get a holding call, it takes you all the way back out of you know. You know, it could be not out of field goal range. You hope your kicker could still make it, but I mean, it can it can drastically um, impair your your movement going forward. So, what I think, when you think of holding, man, it's 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 a lot of calls that could be worse. You know, what I mean, uh, than holding uh, because, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of that goes on inside the trenches. But it depends on what part and what time you're in the game. Um, like I said, the red zone that's that's a crucial part. When you're in the red zone, it should be any penalties, any penalty you have, whether it's all sides. And that's what I was going to allude to being all sides. You know, that's kind of one of the worst, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you get singled out on TV because yeah. you're the only one moving. That's right. Uh, holding, you, people really can't see that. So they they make a holding call. They're like, okay, did he really hold? You know, the yeah. fans can't see that you really held or your coach can't even see it until we watch the film. Um, but when you jump off sides, that's just like, uh, <laughs> that's the cardinal sin, man. Everybody sees it. You're the only one. You look kind of stupid out there. Well, you know, kind of fun. <laughs> I'm going to help you out on, on the offsides, John. The offsides to me isn't that bad for an offensive lineman. And here's the reason why. Is because it doesn't nullify any game. They, cause normally when the offensive line moves first, they stop the play. Right. When it's a holding, it could be like a 90 yard touchdown play. And then you look back and you see some laundry on the field, you know, and that's when I think people, because everybody in the stadium gets to react to that, that penalty there because it's like, Oh, they thought it was a touchdown. Their happiest could be, and then it was holding. And then they're going to call your number out. You know, see, you don't, you don't see anything happen on the offside play because if you jump offside, you know, apparently they're going to blow the whistle. They, you know, play and you're going to get off. But when it's that, that holding penalty, man, that's where, that's why I thought perhaps maybe that would be the worst of them all. And then the yardage yeah, the of the play continues. Yeah. yeah you know, and, and you know, it's really like you probably if it's a running back, he probably going to be real mad if he just ran like 80 yards, you know, and he tired. And y'all held, you know, so, but let me ask you something. We, we saw something. This is, this is, and I think 
Jay may have been there when you were in Chicago. Is that right? Was Cutler in Chicago when you were there? No, he wasn't there. I, okay, no, we're good. We can talk about. Okay, so we can talk about this. An offensive line. You got a quarterback. You, you, you're a quarterback's best friend in the world. Now, do you condone a quarterback coming off the field? It's okay if he has something to say to you. But did he cross the lines when he kind of tapped homeboy on the shoulder, pushed him a little bit? Is that going too far in terms of a quarterback, you know, trying to let his, his offensive lineman know, hey, man, I really need your help? Did he cross the line? Oh, absolutely crossed the line. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. I thought he crossed the line because you got to realize you're a man. You're out there playing a the game, and you already you know what you did. If he gave up a sack, you know, he's already beating himself up. Then to get uh he got to get yelled at by his coach when he gets to the sideline. Then on top of that, you got a quarterback who your your job is to protect. He's coming to you, um, jumping in your face and all that kind of thing. How you know how's that supposed to make you feel? I've never seen person. I never seen that before. I've been playing football my whole life, um, and I never seen nothing like that before. You know, I played with Hall of Fame quarterbacks and things, and they might come and say something to you like, "Come on, let's pick it up" or something. But you never say. I never seen nobody jump and push a lineman. And then get in his face, and you know some of the stuff I saw last night, seeing him do. Um, as far as like now, listening to the officer coordinator, you know, standing up when he when he went over to him, uh, talked to him, walking away from him and stuff. That's stuff I haven't seen, to be honest with you. So I don't know. I, I think personally, I think he's a very good quarterback. You know, obviously last night, but I just think uh, uh, there's some other problems going on there. Yeah, and of course we're talking to John St. Clair, former offensive lineman for his, for the Rams, the Dolphins, the Bears, and the Browns. And so he would know a little bit, of, of course, about what a quarterback should and should not do as it relates to uh, communication with his offensive lineman. Just to let him know, that, hey, man, I need some help. Uh, you know, I've been sacked a couple times. I'm getting hit a little bit too many times. Uh, but do not put your hands on that lineman in order to articulate that message. Uh, you, you said something about last last night's game, and, and I, I certainly want to want to get into that because, uh, you know, it, Jay is a little demonstrous in, in the way you look at him and, and what he does and his expressions. And, and sometimes it could be a little bit, you, you're giving him too much room. And I'm not sure. I think that's a personal relationship between the quarterback. And, and the only ones who really seem to have a, a, those kind of personal relationships are the quarterback and the quarterback coach. And sometimes the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. But... I think Jay crossed the line for the second time in this season because when he walked away from Mike Tice last night, I, I just think that that's, listen, I know you, you know me. You know me as a player, I know you as a coach. And so I think we have established as to when I can approach you and when I can't. And I'm thinking it's, it's okay for me to approach you right now because I need to talk to you. And it was obvious to everybody watching that game that, Mm, Jay didn't want to get talked to at that time. But, but John, we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my man with me, Big John St. Clair. And we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. John St. Clair, offensive tackle. Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns, St. Louis Rams. Got him right here with me. Big John, as we uh, went to break there, we were talking a little bit about Jay Cutler, of course. And, uh, you know, coaches and players' relationships, any other form of employment, uh, in the United States of America, certain things are not allowed. Uh, you, you don't cross certain lines. Uh, there's a there's a level of respect in the way you communicate with one another, uh, and there's a certain expectation of professionalism. Football, we don't have that. But I will say this: I think we do show a level of respect to the coaches. Uh, you know, you see, you know, Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton only goes so far. Uh, I think when it comes to the, the way he communicates with the coaches. Now, him and Saturday have had a couple, you know, back and forth. They've had some words back and forth before him and Jeff in the past. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, I think it was last year, you know, had a couple words for his offensive coordinator. Jay, uh, you know, Jay appears to be a, a very high, strong, emotional individual. Yesterday, last week it was a coach. I mean, it was a player. This week it's a coach. What is that? Does that say anything? Should, should we should we try to read into that at all? Will that affect the morale of the team when you've got one individual that consistently, you know, shows a level of disrespect and a lack of professionalism to his fellow teammate and now his coach? Is that something of concern, or do you just kind of let that go? No, I think it's definitely uh, something you should be concerned about. You know, you got to look at the history of it, not just the one incident last night. You go to the week before, like we mentioned about, uh, a couple weeks before I mentioned about the, him bumping the lineman. Uh, then you look at his teammate, his own teammate came out against him. Uh, I believe the name was DJ Moore. Um, he came out against him. That's right. Uh, the defensive back. And I'm like, these are guys in the locker room now. You know, when I, you know, when you play, you become like a family. And, uh, that's, that's a, that's a rule that you go by. You know about this yourself, Ray. You never talk about stuff going in the locker room, um, or on the field or on the sideline. And you, you had your own teammate come out a couple weeks ago. Was basically telling that how his attitude is bad and he's a bad teammate and things. So, I mean, you look at the history of this and you can see that it's a problem. 
seeing you fast forward to last night um, and uh, dis- disrespecting the coach. There's been plenty of times where I might not agree with my coach coming to me on the sideline and you want to say something. But a lot of times, you know, at the same time, you got to realize that's your coach. You know, and he has a job to do just like you have a job to do. So if he, he perceives something, if he, his perception of something goes on the field is the way he thinks it is, that's just the way it is. You know, after the game, you're going to have, when you get in the meeting rooms, you're in the privacy that Monday or Tuesday, you got plenty of time to view your, view your side and you make an argument. But on the field, you know, with the cameras rolling on Monday night game, that's just kind of, kind of poor, if you ask me. Yeah, and I know my, my good friend Gil Tyree has a lot of respect for Jay Cutler, and, and I have a lot of respect uh, for Gil Tyree. I don't know Jay. I've never met Jay, uh, but but I'm a former professional football player, and I certainly know that there are certain things uh, and certain expectations in terms of how you conduct yourself because it does affect team around because there could be a split. You know, if everything is cohesive and we're all on the same page, then everything's fine. But when there's a fracture, uh, you know, inside of, of that team, uh, because of a relationship with one person or another, you know, that could spread. And so, you know, when you look at Jay, and I think there was something, that, and they kind of, they hushed it. But when he first came there, I think there was something between him and Erlacher there for a second. There was some rumors, you know, about perhaps maybe uh, they weren't on the same page. But I think a win settles it all. Would you would you think that, that the Lovey's happy? Hey, the team won. And, and so for Lovey, it makes it easier, you know, for the team to stay together when they're winning. Oh, absolutely, man. When you win, like everybody said, wins and wins and wins. When you win, everything's better, you know. So they probably won't even they they probably laughing about it today, you know. And once you win, yeah. And but at the same time, you know, if you if you lose, it's just as bad, you know. That's so. right. And and I I, re, I remember I was reading something as I was doing a little research, getting prepared for the show, and I was reading something where there's some comments out there that that Jay actually had, you know, in terms of maybe somebody. Again, when you read things in the media, you gotta understand there was a question that was asked. Now perhaps maybe the person did not answer the question because many times we don't listen. So we don't really hear questions. We just respond. So so maybe, and Jay could have elaborated on the question. Uh, maybe it could have just been a one-word answer. But there was some stuff out there about Mike Tice and, you know, him him getting more comfortable, you know, and him getting better, you know, as an offensive coordinator and, and things of that nature. And, and I'm thinking, mm, you know, Jay's answers are such as if, he has the system down packed, but Mike is still learning it. And I'm thinking, man, you don't want to be throwing your offensive coordinator under the bus like that. You know, plays were getting in a little, taking a little bit too long to get in. You know, perhaps maybe uh, the, the play of which Jay thought should have been called weren't being called. Let me ask you that. As an offensive lineman in the huddle, obviously, you know, a quarterback's getting the, the call in, you know, into his helmet. You guys are, are responding to a course and, and ready to go out and execute whatever play he calls. Do the offensive linemen have their own way of thinking in terms of, hey, man, you know, we've been passing an awful lot. Can we run the damn ball sometime? I mean, what is an offensive lineman's, you know, approach to a game in terms of is there a preference for you guys to run and run block or pass and have to pass block? I think as linemen, you, you talk to any lineman, you want to run the ball, you want to set a tone, especially in the beginning of the game. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of linemen, you know, every team I played on, you, know, you rarely want to start off passing in a game. I mean, that's the, that's the lineman's mentality. But at the same time, you want to be balanced. You know, you know it's, there are times where you have to pass, you know, um, just to open it up, you know. But for the most part, linemen like to get down and dirty. You like to run block. But it kind of, especially in the beginning of the game, you kind of set the tone for the game. Just let the other guys know this is going to be a long day. 
you know, and that's not what a lot of linemen like to do. And then you speak to any lineman, they probably tell you the same thing. Well, I'm, I'm a little old school, so I, I definitely would, I can't wait to hear your answer on this. You know, people always, we've, old schools always felt that the run sets up the pass. Is, is that what alignments, is that alignments mentality too, that he wants to, to beat them up, you know, in run blocking, so therefore it'll slow them down, you know, in the pass rush. It, it does the run in your mind as an offensive lineman, does the run set up the pass, or is it vice versa, does a pass set up the run? No, the run definitely sets up the pass, especially if you're a play action pass team. Um, you look at some of these teams that do that. Um, you gotta look at, when you're watching film too, like if you, when you're running the ball efficiently and, and doing the things you're supposed to do, like the Houston, you know, the Houston, uh, Texas right now, they're doing everything really well. Um, then when you watch the film, all the defensive guys, they think, oh, this team will run down our throat. And then what do you do? When they play the Houston Texans, they set you up a play action pass because you're anticipating the run. So it definitely, uh, the run definitely sets up the pass, you know. If you, if you consider to be a run or in a team, you can trick a lot of teams in believing that you're going to run when, in effect, you do a play action pass and somebody be wide open every time. Well, I, I also got to imagine, Big John, that nowadays the big offensive tackles, man, they got to be, this wide nine thing got to be kind of a headache for them, man. It appears to me that the offensive linemen, you know, they continue to get bigger, slimming down a little bit, you know, you know, tightening things up. But the defensive linemen are getting smaller and shorter and faster coming around them corners on that wide. What do you think about this new wide nine as, as, as the Eagles have labeled it? At least I believe they've, they've labeled it as a wide nine, that technique that they're using way out there on, you know, and coming around that corner. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. You know, you got wide nine a lot, you know, with the tight end to your side. They line up outside the tight end and, you know, it's all about technique, getting to the guy. Which is not easy, you know. Normally, traditional, if you're taking seven step drops or whatever, um, the quarterback dropping deep, you're supposed to kick straight back. But you have a guy at a wide nine angle, if you kick, if you set straight back, you're going to be in the quarterback's lap. Then the guy only has to do is bull rush you back to the quarterback. So you got to be, you have good enough technique to be able to set at an ankle and get to him before he can even make a move to speed around the quarter. And well, that sounds easy to talking about it, but when you're actually out there doing it, you, 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 and you want to add in crowd noise. I mean, it can be really, really hard to do. You know, that's why, you know, tackles, you know, on the line is one of the hardest positions to play. Especially if you're on the back side, the blind side, or even when you're to the tight end side of that nine technique, what you're talking about. You're the guy from Indianapolis, like the guy um, rushing off the edge, those kind of guys, or somebody like a Dumaville or these short, shorter guys who can speed around the edge. All they have to do is dip down. And you got most off the tackles, six, five, six, 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 seven. So they can get right up under you and go right around you. So that's that's why it's so hard playing a position. And 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 you you talked about angles and and leverage. You know, I, I remember my man. God bless his soul, Reggie White. Man, I I've never seen anybody with a move like Reggie. We could just throw a, a man with the one arm. What is what is the most uh, in, in terms of technique? What's the most important thing for you guys? Is is it is it leverage and and and, and balance? Because I I it appears that. When they catch you kind of off balance, of course they can throw you. So, so what are you thinking in your mind? The most important thing for you to make a a, a block and 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 to hold him and prevent him from either bull rushing you or going around you is is it leverage? Is it angles? You know what is it? What are you thinking in your head in terms of getting in a position to make that block? Oh, definitely leverage. It's leverage and technique. You know, keeping your feet, keeping a good base, not bringing your feet together. Whenever you click your heels, as coaches always say, that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. If you get your feet close together, you gonna I mean you don't have any balance. You get thrown everywhere. Uh, just having a, a wide enough base, not too wide, just to have good leverage. You know, you know, bend 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 your legs and get down low, 
then at the same time, like I said, it goes back to film study, too. When you study your opponent as an offensive lineman, you study those guys all week on film. Every defensive guy has tendencies, just like we have tendencies. The guy's studying me to see what my tendencies are. Then when, by the time you get to the game, you should have the guy down to what you know his three, his three top moves are so you can anticipate things. So that's what helps. That's what's so hard about preseason. Most guys don't have a lot of time to study the defense because they roll with so many guys in trying to make the team. So that's what's, that's what's so hard. Even veterans have a hard time with that. you got a guy playing against you in preseason that you don't even know his tendency. You don't even know his moves. You don't know if he's a bull rusher, he's a spinner. You don't, you don't know if he's a speed guy around the edge or what. That's why when it gets to regular season, it's better because you, you have more time to study a guy all week long before you get to the game. Yeah, and that's why they talk about that first quarter, man. After you get that first quarter, you know, you got some game film on some guys. You know, you, you know, one thing about offensive line too, man, and I don't know what the reason is, but for some reason they think they can bring these young kids out of college and put them on the offensive line and start them, you know. And you just revealed a whole lot of things that I don't think a lot of people know is that, man, you're not seeing a guy's best moves. You may not even be seeing a guy in preseason. So you put a rookie in, you know, at tackle, man, he's going to be in for a hell of a first quarter of the season because, you know, ain't a lot of film on people, and he hasn't seen these guys, and, and he don't know NFL football, which is a lot different than even at University of Virginia. I know y'all got a great program, but it's a lot different. Absolutely. You know, you're going against those guys, like I said, the guys are trying to make the team. First, they're trying to make the team. So you're getting the guys full effort, 100%, and you got the rookie guys coming in. Now, eyes are already big. You know, my eyes are big when I was a rookie. You know, you're like, <laughs> wow, it's the NFL. You can't even believe you're in a game playing. And then you got these guys across from you. they trying to make the team. So it's very tough. You know, that's why I take my hat off to any guy who come in the league and start their first year at quarterback or at uh, offensive line, especially offensive tackle, because it's very tough. You look right. at guys like the long kid from uh, the Dolphins. You look at guys who come in like that the first year and play Joe Thomas, guy I played with for the Browns. Oh, yeah. Guys like that, man, I mean, super rare. Orlando Pace, people like – I don't think Orlando even started his first few games. And, uh, you know, he was all everything at Ohio State. So that's, that's how hard it is, you know. Right. If a guy's come in like that and play their first year – against the top talent in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going um, mm, to keep on with the show. That's all we're going to do. I'm having fun today. Of course, you listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Finney's Living Like It Matters. Big John Sinclair, offensive tackle in the National Football League. Yeah, he got it done, y'all. He's going to come back on the other side with us. And we got a surprise guest. You got to come back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You know the show, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Time for the homeboy shout out. Man, I got a couple homeboys I'm going to shout out to. Brian Hardline, the Ohio State University, Canton, Ohio. Got it done. Record numbers. Yeah, you heard me. Joe Morgan. Ha <laughs> ha! Canton, Ohio. Joe Morgan got it done. 80 yards. Yeah, that TD was 80 yards he got from Drew Brees. So that, that's the homeboy hookup shout out right there. Now it's time for me to come back and, and, and get back to my friends. Like I told you, Big John St. Clair with me, former Cleveland Browns. We got to throw that one out there. Now we got a surprise guest. We got two teammates going to join now. So I got Anthony Adams, D tackle, go against the O tackle in practice. But we're going to have a whole lot of fun right now. Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Man, that's good, man. Listen, Anthony, okay, man, this is a real show, so don't be playing no jokes with me, man, because I know you got <laughs> jokes. Now, hey, hey, John John told me you was going to be all right now, so <laughs> so I don't want to find myself on YouTube, you know, because I got, I got okey-doke the punk or something like that, man. But, but, but listen, man, Anthony, you've been doing your, your, your thing on the football field, man, and, and, and right now you're a free agent. So, so tell me some things that a free agent might say on the show when I ask you, you know, has anybody called? <laughs> what, 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 what might a free agent say? You got two phones? How many phones you got hooked up right now, man? Oh, man, I got three phones on me right now. I got one on vibrate, one all the way to the max. None of them been ringing. Is that vibrating in the front I, I pocket or the my, back pocket? I've fired my <laughs> agent about eight times already. <laughs> You know, we back on good graces now. Well, nah, that, man, but you know, I'm I'm letting my agent take care of everything, man. You know, I trust him. He's been my agent for nine years, so you know, we just got to wait around and we got to hurry up and wait. Well, how you? Let me ask you, um, for real, Anthony. I mean, uh, health wise, are you are you feeling good? You know, you got the weight right. You you know, you work it out and everything. You 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 feeling good? And if somebody made that call, you'd be ready to go. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I've been. Um, doing a lot of boxing and weightlifting and stuff here and i'm in chicago so i go to highland park to go uh boxing and go on weightlift and stuff like that so i've been keeping up with that so to speak and uh you know i'm i'm healthy you know yeah. i've never really had a problem with injuries or nothing like that you know i'm a i'm a squatty body you know i play nose guard so you know i i take on all the double teams and i let my linebackers go and do their work 
Oh, well, yeah, man. You know, linebackers always appreciate when they got a good nose tackle, man. You know, and that's one thing about the, y'all don't get enough love. But I'm going to tell you what, that that's a hell of a position to play. Yeah. You know, uh, you, know you got to bring your lunch pail. Yeah, you know, and, and Big John was talking about it earlier, man. You know, defensive, uh, you know, the defensive guys, they, they want to set the tone as an offensive lineman to let y'all know on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball what it's going to be like. Let me ask the defensive line. When a football game starts off, you know, everybody want to talk about, you know, getting, you know, getting that first hit out the way, you know, getting things going. If you want to establish a football game as a, what's a good football game to you? Is it a passing game or is it a running game as a defensive lineman? It's, it's both. You have to, you have to play the run on the pass. You know what I mean? It's just like you, you should always, expect pass so if they're doing like a play action or something like that like you won't be surprised by it you should always be prepared so you should you should never be surprised by anything and i don't i don't i don't really think you really have to look at the offensive line and really scout the offensive line the offensive line can't do anything to you that you don't let them do so you always have to be prepared it's like being a boxer you know what I mean? Like some guys, they study their opponent, they study their opponent, but then when they get in the ring, they're doing something entirely different. So it's all about you and what you can do. Like I look at the offensive linemen, and I respect everybody that's in the in the National Football League, but I look at them as gray matter because if I don't take care of what I need to take care of on my side, it's not going to matter what they do to me because I'm not going to be prepared. I'm going to lose every time. So you just got to go out there and be an ultimate professional and respect the game, and take care of everything you need to take care of on your side, and everything will be all right out there. But let me ask you, man. You know, as an offensive, uh, as a defensive lineman, I'm sure, uh, you know, this by the time you got to the league, Anthony they were no longer doing it. You know, chop blocking was done. You know, but still, man, a double. Not with St. Clair at tackle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that to me that was one of the that was one of the cruelest, if you will, for lack of a better word, um, legal you know, uh, plays in a football game. Because, I mean, you were ta- people were getting taken out, man. You know, you was having career-ending injuries. But still, when I look at a, a nose tackle that gets, you know, double-teamed, particularly when he's not expecting it, it comes from one, you know, how do you prepare? I mean, come on, man, your body got to be killing you, you know, after a game when you, you know, playing against a team that's doing a lot of double-teaming, you know, whatever they call it, whamming, double-teaming, whatever on the nose tackle, man. You know, quarterback puts on some some real pads. What the hell can you do to protect from them double teams, man? <laughs> well, it's like I got a body built for that. Like I got you know a big old back. You know what I mean. So my body is built for a double team. And you know, I look at a double team as it's only a double team for you know a couple seconds, maybe two or three seconds, because they're really looking for that linebacker. They just trying to take you to the linebacker, you know. Mm-hmm. So they only gonna be on you for so long, then they gonna go off to the linebacker, and uh, or unless you know the linebacker is blitzing or something like that. And you know, I had a chance to play with Lance Briggs and Erlacher, so that double team was gonna come off fast because that's what they trying to get to. Oh yeah, they trying to get to that next level. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a beautiful so, thing, well, I'm, man. I'm, I'm built for that, though. I'm built for the double team. I love it. Well, listen, man. Uh, you know. I hear you saying that, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what, it don't look good when you look at a nose tackle. I mean, and, and the thing about it is, of course, what you guys don't want to do, you want to hold your ground. You don't right. want, you know, don't want to give up anything. Sometimes they'll go to the ground. But for me, man, double team, I'm just thinking like, man, why can't it be man on man? Why y'all got a double team? Obviously, that's a compliment if they need you, two you, people. You know why? 
Because if you run that ball right up the gut, you are taking the heart and soul away from the defense. So you're going to try to keep people honest every play or every other play. So when I line up at nose, I'm expecting to get doubled every time. Hey, hey, John, let me ask you something, man. If a nose tackle is, is, is constantly blowing it, you know, blowing the center back up into the backfield, obviously that's going to disrupt a whole lot of running plays. Is that correct? That's a disaster. You know, double A, we call him double A. Um, he'll tell you that, man. Um, if you, I mean, some, some guys, man, you know, he, first of all, the center got to snap the ball. So if you, if you mess up the exchange by blowing the center up in the backfield, I mean, the whole play is ruined. So that's why you got most centers. When you play center, I played center in college. So when you're playing center and you're snapping the ball, you always want to get help from your guard just to get that initial pop, you know, because, you know, these guys now, guys like, you know, Double A, Adams, you know, and guys like um, uh, Casey Hampton, and I played with Sean Rogers, guys like that, man. I mean, you don't have a chance. If you're just snapping the ball trying to come up, them guys are going to have you in the backfield before you even, you know, you look up in the air. So uh, you definitely, you definitely is a very uh, important position. Um, for the defense, being a nose tackle and being able to be disruptive. That's why a lot of those guys, when you see those guys down there playing, most of them are very good players. So, And this will take the blocks, and like like Double A was talking about, you know, I mean, you get pounded on, man. But this, the, We talked about leverage earlier in the show. I mean, you have to have leverage, great leverage to play that position. Yeah, that, that, that nose tackle, you man. And, and, yeah, ain't no doubt about that. You know, that, that that's a position that, you know, if you're a football player, you got to admire that person who's – because, you know, he don't get a whole lot of recognition, you know. Right. Uh, you know, you don't hear his name called a lot. You know, you're getting double teamed, you know, or, you know, something else is happening. But uh, a hell of a position, man. And anytime I see a nose tackle, man, my hat is off to him. But let me ask yeah. you guys, we, we said something about – uh, you know, just, you know, blowing a play up. I, I got to go with this because I, I just, there's so many different opinions about it. But I like to get the opinion from the guys who played the game. And I got two people, one on the defensive side, one on the offensive side. Let's talk about that play, man, the game over. You know, you're down by a touchdown. You know, chances are you, no more timeouts. How you guys feel about the victory position? And I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to start out with double A. Anthony, I'm gonna let you say it first. What's your what's your perspective on that play that we all seen, of which you know Giants didn't take, they weren't too happy with it, you know, when you know and somebody the game's over and boom, they want to take the guy's knees out or whatever. How'd you feel about that? I don't I don't think it's it's, it's any place in the game for that. Like there's there's no way you should be able to do that. Like. And uh, I think when they had the replacement of officials there, they allowed a lot of stuff to go on, and they shouldn't have because uh, in this league you got to learn how to win and you got to learn how to lose, like, and you got to respect everybody. And uh, you know, we played against you know some great rivals. Like me, me and John played for the Bears. So the greatest rivalry in all of football is Green Bay versus Chicago. Now, we didn't like each other. Uh, Wisconsin, don't like Illinois. You know, it, it's been going on forever. But if we're in a position where we win in a game and we're taking a knee, we all respecting each other. We all shaking each other's hands, say, hey, man, good game. You know, we don't have to like each other, but, hey, you know, I respect you as a player. I respect you for the fact that you came from your respective school, you came up in the ranks, and now you're in the NFL. You got that. You got that respect. So if a player, if, if a team is lining up in, in a victory formation, like you already know what it is, this quarterback is going to take a knee. 
is the end of the game. Like, all that other stuff you're doing right now is just like retaliation. Like, you trying to go at somebody's knees and end this man's career. Like, this man is a father. You know, this man has kids. This man may be married or whatever. Like, you shouldn't try to do anything like that. There's, there's no place that, that that should not be in the game, period. Hey, John, what, what do you feel about that? I agree. Uh, just piggyback what he said. I agree 100%, man. When I saw it, I couldn't believe it. You know, I had my, my friends uh, were calling me that, that played, and they, they just couldn't believe what was going on. And um, for, for you to do that, like like Double like A said, man, the game is over. You know, the game is over, and like he's talking about Green Bay, Chicago Bears, robbery, any robbery you can think of, he, you know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh when I was there, same thing, man. You know, you just sit there and you lost the game. You had all the opportunity in the world, the, the previous four, like three quarters, four quarters, to get the job done. If you didn't do it, the game is over. At the end of the day, you got to respect the player, you know, and just let them take the kneel. I mean, you know, like WASA, man, you be in the middle of the game and we talk to each other. I'm talking to the defensive guy, but I will tell you. I'll tell the guy, look, man, victory. They ask you, hey, victory, victory, yeah, victory. And you just take the knee and that's it. So what this what this coach was doing, I don't know what he was doing, what he trying to prove, but this is crazy to me, man. You can get a lot of guys hurt, man, and that's a lot of money uh, that a guy can lose if he gets hurt on a stupid play like that. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with both of you. I, you know, for the life of me, I really couldn't understand why anybody who's ever played one down in the National Football League would ever agree that, you know, that is a play of which, you know, we can go ahead and, you know, and take somebody's needs out, you know. We're going to skip this break. We're going to stay here, guys. We're we going to stay here for this entire show. We ain't, we're not going to have a break because I, I definitely want to talk about a couple things uh, which I haven't got a chance to talk about. But but let me just finish and say, make my point about, you know, like, he, you know, AA said, that that's somebody's life. This is how we, we make a living with our bodies. And if our bodies are banged up or intentionally, you know, maligned because somebody's coach told them to go take somebody's knees out, you know, because perhaps maybe there may be a fumble. I just don't agree with that. And I, I, I really thought that the coaches would even, you know, speak up more about it. Copeland wasn't too happy about it at all, <laughs> you know. And, oh, uh, sure. no, and so I, so I, so I agree with him. So, uh, but let me ask you, Anthony, uh, you, you saw some games this past week. Uh, did you get a chance to see the 49ers? Uh, no, I did not. I saw, uh, the score on the bottom line and I was just like, whoa. Yeah. You know, we wasn't doing that when I was out there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, let me I got there, we were, uh, seven and nine and we went two and 14. That two and 14 year, we beat the same team, both in overtime. We beat Arizona two and 14. Then we went four and 12, then seven and nine again. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm happy for the fellas. Some of the guys are, are, are still there that I play with. Frank or Alex Smith. Right. Laney Walker, some of those guys. So, you know, it was good to see them, especially in the way that they did it. Like, they didn't even score and they, they bounced back from losing from Minnesota. So 34 to zip. Like, that's, that's huge right there. And they scored the defensive touchdown. Like, that's, that's huge. Now, what do you what do you think? I mean, you know, looking at the Forty ers seeing how successful they are. I, I know you make a few jokes about Coach Singletary, the, the whole thing about the turnaround with the Forty ers Is it is it all coaching, or you think it's a combination of coaching and players? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I like uh, Harbaugh and, and what he's doing out there, and I talk to some of the guys too, and they they like his style. It's a, it's a little unorthodox. He's a fiery coach, but. I think uh, they all have been receptive to him and the coaching staff that he brought in. And, you know, it's about time. You know, they had, you know, some greats out there, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. So the fans, 
you know, they're, they're, they're waiting to get back to that Super Bowl, and uh, the city deserves it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a lot of teams, man. The expectation is you're expected to win, you know, and I, I, that's the tradition of 49ers, you know. They're, they're expected to win. Uh, of course, i got to ask you a couple questions because, like, you, you mentioned the Bears. Uh, you know, game on last night. Uh, of course, uh, victorious. The Bears came out a victory. The Cowboys look real, real bad. You know, you're on the defensive side of the ball. You see the Bears did an excellent job. Did the Cowboys just play bad football, or did the Bears just play an excellent game? Am I taking this? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's for you. Yeah, that's for you. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think that game came down to the Bears' defense outplaying Dallas's defense. And uh, I think... Uh, what he had, what, five interceptions? Yes. So anytime you got five turnovers in a game, like you're putting yourself in a, in a bad position to win that game. And I think the, the turnover battle was what? They, they were plus four. Like anytime you plus four, like you probably got like at least a 97% chance of winning the game. So, and then like the defense scored two touchdowns. So, I think it just came down to the Bears' uh, defense outplaying, uh, I mean, uh, Dallas's defense. Yeah, anytime, you know, we always talk about, you know, the turnover. If, if you can win the turnover game, chances are you're probably going to win the football game. And and I just think, you know, after, you know, five interceptions, that, that that's hard. I think that's been done. That's his second time that he's done that. And it's got to be hard. Uh you know, I want to ask, you know, John, you know, you got a quarterback, man. He's going through a tough day. You know, when when your leader is going through a tough day and it, and it's obvious for everybody he's having a tough day because either he's he's getting sacked, you know, either he's, uh, you know, he's throwing a few interceptions. Uh, could Tony Romo, you know, in baseball, when a pitcher is not getting it done, I've always felt this way. In baseball, when a pitcher ain't getting it done, you take him out. You know, John, have you ever thought about, you know, because you're still the starting pitcher. You're still in the starting rotation. We're not getting rid of you. You just, you're having a bad day. Do you ever see a day in football where the quarterback's having a bad day and it's like, man, we might, let's take him. He's just having a bad day today. Is that possible? Five interceptions, man. Do you have to let him throw five interceptions before you take him out? That's Big John. Yeah, I think, well, you got you to look at it this way, too. Um, just watching the game. I watched the whole game last night. And this fact that being an offensive player, you know schemes and things, and you know things that the com- even the commentators don't know. You have certain schemes. You know wh- who's responsibility. You know what receivers, what routers, what's running things. Right. And be, to be quite frank with you, man, a couple of them plays, I don't think the receiver was in the right place. You know? And I'm just saying by just watching on TV, I mean, he was throwing the, throwing the ball. I mean, just, I mean, it was just nobody can throw the ball bad like that. I, I think quarter- Tony Romo was an excellent quarterback. But the way he was throwing the ball, and I think he was expecting the receiver to be certain areas. At least on a couple of those interceptions, you know, and they weren't there, you know. And yeah, there was two. The sideline, I saw him like mad, and some of the comments I saw coming out of his mouth that you know, you normally don't see him say like, "What is he?" One time he said, "What is he doing?" I saw, I read his lips. Then another time he was on the sideline talking to one of the guys about, you know, uh, 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 the route he ran was wrong or something. Yeah. So you know, when you play offense, it's always a team thing, you know. And don't get me wrong, he threw a couple of stuff, a couple of bad throws, you know, that happens. But at the same time, man, you know, just like a lineman, you give up a sack, you know. Your quarterback, you don't want your quarterback to throw you in the bus. You want them to try to help you out and, and help you, uh, you know, help you along. And I just think for that instance, I don't think it was all his fault. That's what I'm alluding to. I just don't think it was his fault. I think it was some um, 
guys to know they were doing assignment wise. Yeah, I think uh, th- there were two. There were two interceptions that I saw that I agree with you. Of course, you know, Dez, you know, had a misread on the hot read, and yeah. and and then there was the other uh, the, oh, the, the slant. You know, there was an opportunity, and then of course. You know, Briggs' interception and then the other interception, which was another tip ball, those two. So I think Tony probably threw one interception that we right. can say was his fault. Uh, but, I, but I certainly agree with you, man. But, you know, again, they're two, they're two and two, I believe. Maybe, you know, it's, it's not like it's over for, 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 the, for the Cowboys, which leads me into the New York Jets. And, and I'm going to start off with, with you, Anthony. You know, the Jets, man, they're hollering. The, the, the fans, they want to change a quarterback. They're two and two. You know, do you think that's a little premature? Do you think it's time for them to make a decision on a quarterback? You know, who's taking you? At least you know he's taking you to two AFC championship games. Right. Is, is it time for them to make a change at quarterback in New York at, at two and two? No. No, it isn't. And the fact that it's in New York, their team is in New York, like everything is going to be like magnified ten times. So they're pressing the panic button there, obviously. And they're only two and two, and you just paid this man a lot of money. They just signed him to like a forty million something dollar contract. So, uh, and by doing that, you're saying, okay, Mark Sanchez is our guy. So you got to stand by your guy, win, lose, or draw. And their only other option besides him is Tim Tebow. And by putting Tim Tebow in, you're saying to Mark Sanchez, look, we paid you all this money, but we don't trust you. And like that's like a hard thing to 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 come back from, especially if you're their franchise quarterback. And uh, I just think right now they're pressing the panic button, and they really shouldn't. I mean, they, they've won two games, they lost two games. Okay, let's reevaluate some things. Let's go back to the drawing board. Maybe go back to some of the plays that we ran last year. Maybe simplify it a little bit and give him some some easy throws or something like that. Build his confidence up then, you know, take some shots downfield or something like that. So, But I don't think it's time for them to just, you know, throw in the towel and say, hey, our season is over with. No, and I'm, I don't agree with you, man, regardless of what the statistics say. And, and Ray Lewis said this on one of the shows earlier. You know, Ray said, hey, man, you know what? For the longest, we've had the greatest defense, but we got one Super Bowl ring. You know, I'd rather be an okay defense and win the championship you know, whether than just be, okay, we got the greatest defense. So, listen, regardless of what the offense is, is doing, maybe Mark ain't making the right plays, but the team is still 2-2. Two and two. So if the team is still 2-2, two and two, listen, man, it's, it's just the first quarter. If we come out of, you know, every one of these quarters, you know, at least somewhere in this hunt or maybe win an extra game in one of the other two quarters, we ain't going to be that bad. I think they can get in the playoffs at 9-7. and seven, So I really don't think it's that bad. So, hey, John, I'm just going to ask you just to uh, make a comment on that, man, because, again, you're an offensive lineman. I'm sure you guys like to have, you know, some type of cohesiveness, if you will, some type of chemistry with your quarterback. You think they need to make a change up there in New York? No way. You know, and like you said, man, off the, off the line, you hate when we change a lot of quarterbacks because you lose your chemistry, you lose uh, everything, man. And I just think uh, – when they brought him in, you know, they, I think they they had to know this was going to happen. You know, if a guy had one bad game, it will be Chan Tebow. It was like Double A said, man, you know, you know, they're in New York. You know, everything will be super hyped up. Everybody going to be super hyped up and amped up about getting Tebow in there if uh, Sanchez had one bad play. You know, and I, I think it's too premature, like you said. Double um, A said, Coach Lovey Smith, when we played in Chicago, he broke, all, he broke the whole season down to quarters. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. 
the whole season. And uh, you look at it, it's just the first quarter of the season. It's a long time. You know, you got teams playing well now. They're not going to be playing well in the middle of the season and vice versa. So I think it's way too early for them to make a quarterback change. Okay. Hey, hey Anthony, I'm going to throw some teams out here at you. The Patriots, they won in the division. Ravens division leaders, Houston Texans, Chargers, Eagles, Vikings, Atlanta, Cardinals. Of those teams, man, is there a surprise team out there for you that you would think, man, I didn't think they'd be winning the division this time of the year? Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> what about you on that one, and Big John? Especially at 4-0. Big John, what about you, man? We're about to close Arizona. it up. Yeah, Arizona. I think, yeah, I think Arizona's been a surprise. But I will tell you guys, I've been out here in Arizona for six years, and I, I'm going to tell you, I've been excited about that defense the whole time. Now, I was really excited about the team when they had uh, Kurt you Warner. You knew we were going to say Arizona. No, man, I, listen. I, come on, there he go. They go to punk. It's starting to come out now. He's going to punk me, y'all. Watch him. He's going to take my show over and punk me on my own show. No, for real, man, I'm a homer when it comes to the Eagles and the Browns. We losing. But I'm going to stick yeah. with the Eagles and the Browns for the rest of my life. Hey, man, listen, y'all, I appreciate y'all coming on the show. Come back anytime you want to, but our time is up. So, listen, man, John St. Clair, my man, and Double yeah. A, Anthony Adams, thank you, guys. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Check Anthony out on YouTube. Man, homeboy got skills. Find me. <laughs> see y'all next week.